And I had another client who could be lucid in her dreams, which is more common among women. She could ask the damn characters what they represented and they would tell her. It was like, okay, that was pretty weird. And like a lot of the things they told her were really helpful and they were not things that she wanted to hear. She, she basically, one of them told her she, if she was going to live, she'd have to go visit a slaughterhouse. And the reason for that was because she was raised as a little princess and protected from horrible mother nature until she hit puberty, in which time she turned into an evil villain, because that's how the family worked. Perfect child, evil teenager, overnight. And then, well, that was hard on her, and she wasn't prepared because she thought the world was princess world, and, you know, she couldn't go through a butcher store without having a fit. And no wonder, you know, like, really, Jesus, you know, it's, it's no wonder, but you do it. But she couldn't, so we used to go to butcher stores, and that would make her cry, and and um, then she was a vegetarian, that would make her cry and, you know, bemoan the cruelty of the world. And it's like, yeah, fair enough, man, those are bloody slabs of meat. It's like, I don't know why everyone isn't screaming when they walk through the butcher store, but, but you got to get used to it, man, because you can't live in the world otherwise. And so the dream character, who was a gypsy, told her that she had to go visit a slaughterhouse, which seemed rather impractical. And so I asked her if she could think of anything else to do, and she thought, well... Why don't we go visit a funeral home and, and watch an embalming? And I thought, oh, good. That sounds, that sounds like a fun way to spend a day. And so I phoned up a funeral parlor. And I said I had a client who was terrified of death. <laughs> and I was a therapist who was also a little shaky on the concept myself. And so they, they had no problem with that. They deal with death all the time, which is really something to think about, right? A human being can actually have an occupation where they do nothing but deal with death and they don't go stark raving mad. It's like, what the hell's up with that? It's like working in a palliative care ward where your your clients that you, you know, have a relationship, all they're going to do is die this week, next week, the week after. People do that. It's like, those people are tough, man. They're tough. So anyways, we went and watched this embalming, which was, I have a rather high level of disgust sensitivity so it, it was a little on the rough side for me but she sat there and first while she was not lo- we were outside this little room she was not looking at that man no way and she'd kind of go like this and you know that was pretty good and then she'd go like this and then she'd go like this and then then she watched it and then she asked if she could go in and she put on the glove and she touched the body and she didn't have a fit. She didn't have a panic attack. And so she walked away from there learning that there was a hell of a lot more to her than she thought there was and that she could see things that she didn't think she could see and live. And after that, she sort of had a touchstone. It's like, well, I'm kind of afraid of this. Well, is it as bad as going to see the embalming? No, it's not that bad. Well, I guess I can do it. It's like an initiation, right? She had an initiation. And so did I, you know. And I learned a lot from doing that. I learned that one of the things you need to do if you're going to be a human being is to prepare yourself to be useful in the face of death. And so when you have a parent that dies, which, you know, shatters people's ideas often, they can't even think about it. If you can't even think about that, man, you've got some thinking to do because you need to be able to at least think about that because otherwise you're just going to be a wasteland when it happens. And you never know, you could even have a higher ambition. Maybe you could even be useful when it happens. 
instead of being part of the heap of destroyed people who also have to be taken care of. You know, and that's brutal. You have to be brutal to be useful in the aftermath of your parents' death. You know, you don't get to crumble and fall apart. And no, you have every reason to. So you got to be kind of some tough monster to manage that. But you want to be useful in the face of tragedy or do you want to be pathetic? I've worked in emergency medicine for 11 years and I've seen a lot of death, yet I'm so afraid of dying. Any advice on how I can be at peace with dying mortality? I don't know if anybody's ever really at peace with that. I mean, I think what you can take away, read Socrates' Apology. There's two versions of it. There's uh, there's the plate. There's there's Plato's version and there's is his name Aristophanes? There's another version. I don't think that's right. Anyways, there's two versions of Socrates' Apology. It's very short. It's only a few pages long. 15 pages or something. Read them both. Why? Well, because Socrates puts together a very, puts forward a very interesting proposition. And I don't know really what to make of it. So, I asked my parents once if they could take a drug that would return them to being 18 physically, but they can take, they had all the wisdom that they'd accrued over the years. They wouldn't lose that if they would do it. And they didn't say yes right away. You know, and, and I don't know if they ever did tell me what they had decided, but it was interesting to me that they didn't say, they didn't say no right away either, you know. It was interesting that they had to think about it because you'd think that if you were offered something approximating immortality and health, you'd take it. And maybe you would, but but then here's an alternative proposition, and I don't know. It's sort of like I'm not trying to maintain myself, you know, if I can extract out an extra decade or an extra 20 years keeping myself healthy, that seems like a good thing. Would I want to live 500 years? It's a long time, man. Thousand years? I don't know. It's a long time. But the alternative is you know, truncated existence with death. And that's also not particularly palatable. And so is there a medicament for mortality? Well, Socrates, but implicit in Socrates' apology is the following idea. Imagine you lived your life fully. That would mean that you, you said what you had to say when you had to say it. You did what you needed to do when you needed to do it and you availed yourself of every opportunity that came your way, right? So you'd exhaust yourself in the service of your life, let's say. Maybe by the time you were old, you'd have had enough. You know, and you could just let go. And, uh, you know, you do see this with people, is that, and we kind of know this even when we grieve, you know, maybe you have a relative who's 95 and they die and and people are sad, but you say, well, you know, they lived a full life. And the fuller the life, the less, in some ways, the less catastrophic the demise appears to be. And so it might be that if you fully exhausted yourself, that your life would be enough. So 
I know, you know, people, I said, I mentioned this already, people who are old and they look back on their life, they're often sorrowful and regretful for the things they didn't do, you know, the things they left undone and maybe now can't do. You know, you could imagine those of you who've been parents, maybe have grown kids now, you think, well, if you could have children again, would you? And maybe the answer is yes, but but another answer is, well, you know, I, I had kids already. I already did that. And, and and if you did that, well, maybe that's enough. You know, we have grandkids now, and that's not exactly the same as having kids. It's sort of, it's kids light, right? And and it's wonderful. But you made a joke about that when you were on stage. You know, you said they have all the advantages of children, grandchildren, with none of the disadvantages, and that's a joke. But everybody laughs because everybody gets that, and. It's great to have grandchildren, and like, would we return to our youth and do it again? Well, that's a very difficult question to answer, right? Because you just, well, you just don't have the, you can't tell what you decided unless that option was actually available to you. And maybe the answer is yes, and maybe the answer is no, because, you know, been there, done that, on to whatever the next thing is. And so I would say, if you're afraid of death, take a look at how you're living and see if if you're all in. And maybe if you're all in enough, that's good enough. I think that's right. I think that's right. And then I think also, if you're all in and death visits, and you know it's impending, you could say to yourself, I did everything that I was here to do. At least then you're not going to torture yourself with that as you're facing death. That's something too. There's a reason you always trust your gut. Your whole body's health depends on it. Did you know 70% of your immune system resides in your gut? Invest in your health with Seeds DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Get whole body benefits including gut, heart, skin, and digestive health from 24 clinically and scientifically studied probiotic strains and a plant-based prebiotic. Go to seed.com slash gut and use code 25GUT for 25% off your first month. That's seed.com slash gut, code 25GUT.